Hello everyone, I am Matt Williamson, ending the week here on a lovely Friday in the Berg with a two-part podcast for you as usual, but there are two very different topics around the Steelers. Um, Pro Football Focus, they put out their, actually this wasn't from them, but it was passer rating allowed for every corner in the league. Well, they did the top guys. And there's some notable Steeler stuff here that I was shocked by, to be very honest with. So when a quarterback to throw, define it this way, when a quarterback, an opposing quarterback decides to throw your direction as the coverage corner, what is their passer rating when you're targeted? You know, so uh, pretty good. I don't love passer rating as my favorite quarterback stats, but I still think it's pretty telling. So the top five are all the names you'd think, the studs, you know. But number six was the departed Cameron Sutton, now of the Detroit Lions. Doesn't sound so great. I mean, a lot of us were, oh, that was a tough blow when he signed with the Lions. And here's a little nugget of what they said with him. Sutton notched career highs with three interceptions and eight pass breakups last year. The savvy veteran has played some in the slot as well as its safety, but has found a, a home on the outside. He will bring a veteran presence to him to an otherwise young secondary in Detroit. Always been a huge Sutton fan. Love the versatility. You see it on the field, but everyone at the facility talked about how smart he is. Ability to do so many things. Gets younger dudes aligned. Not quarterbacks the defense. Minka does more of that. But, hey, we need you to play the slot. Hey, we need you to go outside, play too deep, play whatever, play man, play zone. Sure, I got it. And that has immense value, which good for the Lions. They recognize them. They gave them a big contract, and the Steelers didn't want to match it. I understand that, and I'm not killing the Steelers for that, but he's going to be hard to replace. I mean, there's just no way around that. Coming off his best year, he's usually the type of dude they keep, you know, mid-round pick, early mid-round pick develop them, gets better every year, starts his career special teaming, does all the stuff you ask of him, and then you extend him. Well, they didn't, and he is now a lion. But what he brought to the table last year, I just wanted to let you know, tell you guys about. You know, he's, he's been a little out of sight, out of mind, these former Steelers. Free agency happened a million years ago. But he was the sixth best corner in all of football in passer rating allowed. Really good year. Okay, right after him, is Tariq Woolen, stud young rookie Seattle corner. Marlon Humphrey, who's had a tremendous career with the rival birdies, the Ravens. Um, Not names that shock me at all on this list. I mean, those guys are top 10 type corners. But guess who's number nine? Levi Wallace. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. Ninth best passer rating allowed last year, and he played a lot of snaps. Now, I love Joey Porter Jr., but Wallace versus Porter Jr. is going to be a real camp battle. And check this out. And remember, the Steelers, all their moves, and this is what I like to be here for you guys for, is interpret moves to what it might mean on the field. I can't tell you enough. And If you've been listening to this podcast since the inception, I've said it 8 million times. The Steelers, I think, want to play more press man coverage, more man coverage. The league is going to zone. Steelers are going to man. It's an aggressive approach, but it might pay off big. So listen to this. Wallace led the entire league in passer rating against man coverage. The entire league. Best passer rating against when playing man coverage. 
When in man coverage, Wallace allowed zero touchdowns while forcing four incompletions and nagging three interceptions. So by the numbers, I'm not saying it's the best man cover corner in the league, but he was by the numbers last year. Crazy. Um, Wallace earned a, a, I'm sorry here, the five-year cornerback will likely take a backseat to Joey Porter Jr. and will be able to help him along the way and rotate in as well. Between Wallace and veteran Patrick Peterson, Porter will have some good experience alongside him to help help ease the transition in the league. All respect to Sutton. Just said all kinds of great stuff about him. He will be missed. He will be hard to, you know, replicate. But I'm feeling better and better and better about the trio of corners, especially when you stagger their age, their contracts, where they're at in their career. Peterson, he's a Hall of Famer. Wallace coming off a really good year and a tremendous scheme fit. Also a self-made guy, you know, like, <laughs> you know, Porter's obviously a rookie. Porter's dad was in the league. Peterson was a top four or five pick who's now going to the Hall of Fame, who was great since he could crawl. And Wallace had to walk on at Bama and nobody wanted him. He's a self-made dude, you know, so three real different top corners there. And none of them are Mel Blunt at this stage. I get that. But I like that group more and more. Uh, We'll be back with something totally different about the Steelers here in a moment. All right, I referenced it and I'm going to reference it over and over and over. Sorry if I'm going to make you just going to beat your head in with it because there's just so much here. Good information. I'm going to take nuggets after nuggets for articles, podcasts from Warren Sharp's guide. And for every team, they have a couple bullet points why you should bet the under on their win total or why you should bet the over. Steelers win total this year is 8.5. And I'll be honest, I mean, my affiliation with the Steelers aside, it's one of my favorite over bets of all 32 teams. I think this number is too low. Even if they go one and five in a division, I still think they get the nine wins with this schedule and Tomlin's history, et cetera, et cetera. But here's some neat, deep, dorky nuggets of why to bet the under, first of all, under eight and a half wins. The Steelers were the least injured team in 2022, something that will regress in 2023. I tell you guys that all the time. The offense lost 3.2 games to injury all season, and the offensive line started the same five starters for all 17 weeks of the season. Again, folks, that's insanity. It's never going to happen again. No team's going to get that next year. The starting offensive line played over 95% of the snaps, which is an unsustainable rate. The depth is likely to be tested more than it was in 2022. Of course, that's why Herbig's here and Dotson's a backup and you draft the tackle in the first round. They recognize that. Okay, bullet point number two. The secondary allowed a .08 EPA per drop, pack, per drop back, the eighth highest in the league, the eighth worst, despite what I said about Sutton, et cetera. Although not glaring weaknesses, the secondary lost Cam Sutton and will rely on Patrick Peterson, who turns 33 in July. The cornerbacks will be tested this season, especially in divisional matchups against Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson twice. 
Additionally, the Steelers will be attacked in the middle of the field, given their weakness at linebacker. Last season, the Steelers allowed the third worst efficiency on running back passes, which could be a weakness again this season. I can't dispute any of that. I think that's really well said. I didn't realize the running back thing until reading this the first time around. I did just mention that I'm fonder and fonder of the three outside corners, you know, Porter, Wallace, Peterson, but you lost a good one and the division's loaded with potential superstar type quarterbacks and linebacker worries me and you were already really bad defending running backs. Valid, valid points. But why bet the over? Here's a couple notes on that. The Steelers are projected to face the eighth easiest schedule, a significantly softer schedule than last year. The Steelers finished 2022 with a 2-5 and five record against teams with a winning record. In addition to the easier schedule, the Steelers are not scheduled to play any team coming off a bye this week, that kind of this season. That's huge. The Steelers also host the Patriots on a short week home game in week 14 and have two three-day rest advantages in the back half of the season. Warren Sharp's huge on these rest advantages. I did a podcast on it before. But all that stuff's substantial. You know, you're not you're not playing a team that's coming off a bye and you're not. You've got some rest advantages. You get New England here on a super short week. Good stuff. Bullet point number two. Kenny Pickett's box scores don't jump out, but the rookie quarterback is set to make a significant step forward in his sophomore season. Pickett went seven and four as a starter, not counting the game he was concussed after four snaps. And he won the final five games in which he started and was, wasn't was forced to leave with an injury. He led the league with a 75.6 catchable deep ball rate and a 73.8 catchable rate under pressure. We're going to talk about that down the road here, but he handled pressure extremely well. And you would think there'll be less pressure, but basically you can figure this out. Summarizing that bullet point, your quarterback should get better this year. I agree. And here's another interesting thing. Some of these weird stats that some of you might think about that really do matter. The Steelers are due for improvement in field goal and fumble luck. What the heck's field goal and fumble luck, Williamson? Well, they recovered just three of 11 opponent fumbles, which is if you run seasons over and over, they should get 6.1 of 11. Basically, you should recover half. History shows you should recover half of your opponent's fumbles, slightly more for the defense, but there's a massive randomness to that. They only recovered three of 11. So let's just say they had created three more turnovers last year at the right time, maybe against the Jets, the Dolphins, one of those tight games, you maybe get one more win. And they're likely to be closer to 50% this year, not three of 11. Yeah, maybe it's a small thing to you. I don't think it is. The The Steelers also had the seventh worst field goal luck. And all that means, and I was explained this to you before, is there are some things in the league that are just luck. And one of them that I believe 99% of the time, and maybe if I interviewed and gave a true serum to a special teams coach, they would tell me I'm crazy. But when the opponent lines up for a field goal, you're pretty defenseless as the field goal rush team, whether that ball goes through the end, through the uprights or not. And the Steelers' opponent field goal kickers were 
extremely, extremely accurate. They they were the seventh worst in that, or seventh best in that, however which way you want to look at it. They were seventh in terms of field goal percentage against the Steelers. Maybe you have the best field goal blocker in the whole world or some unbelievable scheme to you know change that or whatever. But a lot of those games are in weather too, and you still had only six teams fare worse in that regard. So again, chances are you'll end up 15th next year, which might be the difference in 9, 12, 15 points over the course of a year. How many games did they lose by? Two points, three points, etc. So those things are likely to be better. I think the argument is much stronger for over 8.5 wins than it is under. Um, and I've been saying that all along. All right. Everyone have a fantastic weekend over and out. <laughs>